with Michael McCullough uh, from Houston, Texas, One Step at a Time, A Journey of Hope, Commitment, and Resiliency is the short film uh, played at the really interesting film. Uh, and th let's get people to, people to know who you are, Michael. You are blind, correct? That's right. Yes. So I just want to give people context. So you directed a movie and, and about your journey of, of uh of uh, basically climbing this uh, this trail and in, in, in uh, tell tell us people what the trail is that you guys did. Yeah, so it's uh, called the uh, Classic Inca Trail to Machu Picchu in Peru. Uh, it's a four day hike. Uh, each uh, you know there's various segments and uh, you do a hike each day, camp out overnight, and then start again the next day. Uh, the final day is the short, short day, kind of a short day where you end up uh, actually in uh, Machu Picchu. Yeah. So, okay. So you just like, so you and others decided to do this climb. Uh, have you like, when did you uh, just give people contest? You're, you're a former uh, NASA, NASA engineer. You're retired. Uh, obviously that makes you very smart. <laughs> uh, you live in Houston. That's where they do a lot of the NASA stuff, quote unquote. Uh, so when did you when did you go blind? Uh, so it was kind of a, a progressive uh, loss of my vision. Uh, I was first diagnosed in my late 20s with uh, glaucoma. And I started losing my vision at that point. And after about 10 years, I lost vision in one eye. And then in uh, 2005, 2006 time frame, I lost vision in the second eye. And so at that point, uh, you know, I had to start learning how to adapt and do thing, everything differently. I mean, you know, up until that point, I still had that one good eye so I could get along and drive and do pretty much anything a sighted person could do. But after I uh, lost that second eye, then that changed everything for me. So this climb that you did in this film, uh, one step at a time, kind of is a metaphor or allegory to, to, to your life after you turn blind about like the resiliency, about overcoming like odds and overcoming like and kind of redefining who you are, I guess, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the barriers that I encountered, uh, you know, just the, uh, well, just for me to get back to work as an engineer at NASA, as you said, here at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, uh, I had to, um, you know, basically relearn uh, how to uh, do everything that I was doing at the time. Uh, got a lot of adaptive equipment, special software to be able to, you know, do things on the computer again. And it took, uh, well, at first I was very uh, depressed and yeah, sure. Six, seven months, probably. I'd, I'd never even attempted to try to go back to work. And then after that kind of, uh, well, actually, what motivated me to uh, come out of that was uh, I happened to be listening to some uh, YouTube uh, videos and a, a blind guy that had uh, Eric Weinmayer, who was the uh, actually the only guy blind person that's uh, summited Mount Everest, heard his uh experience and that kind of gave me a kick in the butt to get up and start doing things and learning how to uh you know live life as a blind person using a white cane getting around and uh you know getting back into my exercise routine and just doing the things that i really enjoy doing and so 
it did, you know, other than the state of Texas wouldn't give me a driver's license anymore. Other than that, I haven't really found much I couldn't do. Just yeah. had to adapt, I think but... it's probably a good idea they didn't give you a driver's license. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so I guess what happens is I guess there's stages, right? I guess the self pity comes comes in, which is understandable. Where like, why me? And like, what like what happened? And sort of like, I'm like I'm not who I'm, I've lost a sense. So therefore, I'm not a complete person. I'm sure all these kind of feelings and emotions come up. I guess right. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, it was a, a genuine loss, and so with any loss, there's a grieving process that. You know that I went through and experienced all those emotions that go along with grieving, and at some point come to the the acceptance phase of gr the the grieving process, and that's when I was able to you know continue on, move on, got back to my uh, job, started working again up until for the next 10, 11 years before I retired, and uh, then was started. Uh, you know, getting back and doing, uh, I'd been, I always loved to do outdoor sports. And so, you know, finding new ways to do those and adapting and uh, there are organizations that uh, specifically help uh, people with disabilities. And that's documented in the, uh, mm. uh, it's in the documentary. It talks about a group called Achilles that uh, I found a lot of support in to help me uh, get back doing a lot of things that I love doing. And it, 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 like it, it, there's a purpose. I guess it gives you a purpose. Like there's a reason why you're living. I guess that's what you have to get go through. I guess, and it's in its most general sense, when you're grieving, it's like what's the next? Like you could you have to foresee your next step in your life, in your existence. I guess, right? Yeah, definitely. Just to uh, you know, continue to be able to continue on, uh, and. Uh, you know, I found a new purpose in what I was doing, uh, became, uh, you know, as I uh, gradually uh, got back into being able to adapt and do things, I saw that, uh, you know, that I could also help others that were losing their vision or others that had lost their vision and ways to find ways that I could do to help them and become an advocate for the blind and people with disabilities. Okay, so let's talk about uh, your film and this hike. So you're you're gonna do the hike, and then something came something came upon yourself where it's like, hey, maybe we can record it. Maybe we can record the experience and make it into a film. When did that process uh, occur to you that we can do that? You can do that. Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, let's see. So the the idea to to actually do the hike came up uh, in the summer of 2017. And kind of kicked that around for in the next six, seven months, trying to come up with a schedule, uh, talking to people that might want to, you know, go and support me in doing it. Uh, then about uh, early part of 2018, uh, going into the summer of 2018, I was talking to a friend and uh, during one of my workouts and he said, just, hey, you know, you ought to record this, you know capture it on film it might be something that others would you know be interested in seeing and I didn't, hadn't even considered it at that point and so I started thinking about it more and uh, looking around trying to uh, you know find uh, different uh, media companies that might be able to support me and doing that and reaching out to different people that would be interested in you know going along and uh, capturing that mm -hmm. so, so, so obviously 
this took a, this took an effort to do. So you had like uh, you had like other people, like a producer, and who was who was recording who recorded the the film during the the process. So uh, I, I contacted a guy named Robert Harrington. He uh, he's uh, head of a, a little company uh, called Bella Media. Uh, I had found him. He he does some uh, short little videos of uh, different uh, does commercials and different things here around the Houston area. So had uh, contacted him. We got to talking and met with him. And uh, yeah, he was excited about it. Actually, he wanted to go. uh, But at that time, uh, this was the summer of 2018. At that time, he was uh, uh, quite overweight. And uh, so, you know, he was looking, uh, he saw this as maybe something that was you know he my, what I was doing would help motivate him to lose some weight and get in shape. To actually, he wanted to go and uh, you know film it for me, and so we you know we continued to work together, working out together, training, and he ended up losing uh, fifty almost sixty pounds over the next year to get in shape to actually you know be able to do the climb and do and film the the uh, adventure. Oh wow! So then, that's a, that's a story in itself, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, and and really, uh, you know, all all of the all of my uh, support team, the guides that I had, uh, there was a couple that I knew from Achilles, the director of Achilles, her and her husband. They were uh, I knew they were you know adventure real adventure uh, people, you know, did hikes and mountain climbing. They were. Uh, marathon runners and so they were in really great shape and so i you know asked them and they really wanted to go uh but the uh husband he's he's afraid of heights and so you know going going up into 14 15,000 foot mountains and you know high cliffs and things that would be pretty scary for him to do Mm -hmm. uh his wife she also had a condition where uh it uh, affected her uh, getting up at high altitudes. And then my third uh, guide uh, was uh, an, an older woman uh, I'd met uh, while I was uh, doing uh, each year I go skiing. And uh, she was one of the guides on the ski trip and had met her there and had talked to her. And I knew she was a avid hiker. She lived in Colorado. She had just uh, finished hiking uh Kilimanjaro and so it invited her to go along and she accepted and so you know in in at that time she was uh what 70 years old and so that that was uh you know so each of us had a little story in itself you know something that uh a barrier or something that we had to kind of overcome to be able to go on the trip that's amazing. So, so the way you guys nicely, nice edited uh, piece of work, nice, nice job with the with the film. So, because it's thirty eight minutes long, you start kind of like the movie starts with the culture of Peru, kind of making like getting people to f- get the feeling of this culture that you're you're going to be a part of, and then you get personal where actually you're in the film, and you just mentioned Robert. Robert's in the film, and your daughter's in the film, your sister's in the film. And they kind of give you a uh, you a backstory about like your involvement. So basically, from a storytelling standpoint, 
we emotionally are attracted to you and then basically to understand your kind of journey of where you've been through your context of your family. And we also get to know the culture that you're climbing in Purdue. So then you really nice, nice job setting the movie up. So I'm, I'm assuming you guys just shot a bunch of stuff and then kind of went to the editing room, kind of figured it out in editing. Is that how it worked? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. After Robert came back, I mean, I don't know how many hours of film he shot total. I mean, you know, all of the, uh, well, you know, the, the year leading up to the, the trip itself, a lot of the training things, uh, some of the, uh, uh, backstory interviews uh some of them were done uh pre-trip and some were done uh post uh the trip mm -hmm. and so you know having to edit all that in and uh yeah we worked closely together uh i knew i had a fairly good idea of of you know when we laid out the storyboard before we uh started uh, doing any, any of the filming of course had a fairly good idea what I wanted to, you know, had the story we wanted to tell. And Robert is also a great storyteller. So he had some great ideas to put in there. And so, yeah, he, I mean, I couldn't have done it without him for sure. In Bella Media. Yeah. And your daughter is really uh, like, it's, it's such a really good insight from your daughter as well. And so you also interviewed the doctors, you interviewed friends. Where, who did the interviews? Who deducted the interviews? Did you do help with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I gave most of the, not, I mean, some of them were done just spontaneously. Robert was filming those, uh, mm. most of them, I would come up with some interview type questions to have them think about ahead of time. And then, you know, Robert basically just had a dialogue with them and ask them different questions. And then they would, of course, uh, provide the, their own personal answers to those and, and that, and edit that all in. So. So then, so then Robert, uh, as you mentioned, so he's, you're climbing up the mountain. And so, and he's filming you guys at the same time. So he's climbing the mountain too, correct? Like while he's filming you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that was incredible. I mean, he's, you know, carrying all his uh, gear, his photography gear, and then having to do the hike itself. And, you know, at times he'd be behind us. At other times he would race ahead and get set up yeah. to for us as we were coming up to that part of the trail and that kind of thing. So pretty amazing job that he did, I believe. And you, were you thinking as a director while you're climbing the, the mountain, like get to make sure you get this shot, make sure you get this context? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them, you know, we would get to a point where we'd, I'd recognize, and as people would describe it to me, oh, this would be something good to, you know, get a good film in. So we would have to go back and kind of walk back through a certain areas just to make sure we got the shot right that we wanted. Yeah. It's, but but the majority then, of it was just film straight doing the hike. We didn't, and then we, you know, post-production did the editing to yeah, as, yeah kind of, as you mentioned before you kind of just shot you shot and figured it out in post-production which i'm sure you guys like do you know how much hours of footage you guys shot uh tell you the truth i don't uh I, I, that's one question i never even asked robert yeah <laughs> i'm sure it's at least you know 
10, 20 times more than what, you know, that 38 minutes. So, so with about 15 minutes in, you kind of like this, you start the hike, you start the journey of the film. And then uh-huh. you kind of like, there's like images of, uh, of like what the hike actually is, right? So what's it called? Dead, dead, late woman's curve or dead woman's? Uh... Yeah, dead, dead woman's pass. Uh, that was on the second day. Yeah, that's the highest peak that you. Why is we it called go... dead woman's pass? Yeah, dead woman's pass. Uh, even though it's ominous and uh, you know people kind of get the wrong idea thinking, yeah, yeah it's where we lose everybody. But uh, it uh, it turns out that the uh, the structure there, the mount the mountain top there, it looks like a woman laying down sleeping or you know. Oh, um, gotcha. So it's a visual yeah. thing, I guess. So right? the shape, yeah. They said the shape of the the mountain itself there at the top looks like a woman lying down. Why do they just call it lying down woman's pass? Why do they have to call it a dead woman? <laughs> well, that, that, it sounds more sexier. Um, game, guess, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And then, so yeah, so then what you do is that you intersperse the hike, which is like you show conflicts and weather and like going going by dead woman's pass and like, and, and, uh, and basically... The, the terrain and all the issues with the with the terrain like this is not an easy climb let's let's just throw it out there this took this took you training for probably over a year years um to do other people to do and then all of a sudden you're there so you're showing the conflicts of of the of the the hike while you're interspersing with interviews like it's a really nicely put together uh short film that you guys got there so Thanks. No, I, but how was the how was the hike? Like anything that that on the cutting room floor that 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 was really difficult for yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I knew it was going to be a difficult climb, and like I said, you know, I, I spent uh, a year training for it, and you know, at that time I was sixty four. So I knew just at my age I needed to do some extra training that you know. I mean, mostly millennials do this hike. So a lot of them probably only spend three months training or getting ready for it. But uh, I knew it was going to take me some extra time to get in shape. And, you know, one, one thing we didn't talk about, uh, I did develop uh, a knee injury even before the hike. Oh, before the hike. Because it, it showed in the film where you kind of, the, the moment where you get kind of winded and they need to help you, I guess, right? And you got the knee brace? Yeah, I was having, uh, you yeah, know, issues with my knee and, you know, prior, I had torn my meniscus all the way through and, uh, of course, wow. had gone to a couple of doctors just making sure it was okay to still go. They said, well, it's not going to injure it anymore. It's already torn all the way through. Uh, you know, we can have you wrap, wrap it up really good, put a brace on it and uh, give you some pain medication to deal with it. You know, when the pain comes on during the hike. And it uh, turned out that was kind of a double-edged sword. You know, it was to reduce the pain, but uh, the the uh, opioids, uh, pain medicine that I was taking up at high altitude uh, reduces my respiration. And with the thinner air, of course, you need to be breathing at a higher respiratory rate. And so the combination of high altitude, the slower resp- respiration, uh, gave, you know, winded me even more and so that made it difficult and i started uh, becoming kind of lethargic and swaying at times and you know everybody became a kind of a dang- pretty dangerous situation at times yeah yeah totally uh the the lady in the film uh the animated uh, lady 
in the, in the film. Kind of, yeah. kind of, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so that that's Bernie. Um, she is she's the uh, director of the uh, Achilles organization here in Houston, and uh, yeah, she she and her husband were there, and uh, yeah, yeah, she was the one that uh, you know did most of helping during most of my pre-trip training, and then during the hike itself, kind of kept tabs on me closer than most people and. You know, she, she caught me taking me that medication on the uh, actually the third day. They didn't know I was taking it up until the third day. And that's when they realized that, you know, that's probably what was causing him all the problems, causing me all the problems during the uh, those high elevation periods. And she just grabbed all my medications and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't let me take any more. Yeah. <laughs> during the rest of the trip. You did it. It's like, it's amazing. And you got, and there's, there's some amazing, uh, so obviously the view, like, what are you feeling? Like, this is all about, you know, like I'm, I'm being general and I'm using cliches, but when you lose a, uh, a sense, they say your other sightings heightened, heightened, like exponentially, right? Like you're, so you're, you can hear better, of course, and you can touch better and you can smell better. So what were you feeling? What was your feeling when you're on top of the mountain? Yeah, just to make a kind of quick uh, uh, clarification on that, you know, your other senses don't really heighten. What it is, is you lose one sense, then you're de more dependent on those other senses and you kind of key into them much more. I didn't mean from a scientific standpoint, I guess I meant from Yeah, 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 got, I got you. But just uh, so, yeah, it, it, you know, you know, of course, my guides are helping to describe, you know, as we're walking along what we're passing and that kind of thing. But uh, for me, I personally, uh, you know, of course, I can I, if the wind uh, changes, I can tell the density and the, the air density uh, uh, sounds, of course, I'm picking up on sounds. There weren't a lot of wild animals anywhere around that area, but I could hear birds and, you know, different kinds of little critters in the grass and that kind of thing along the way. Uh, but, uh, and then uh, certain smells, I mean, I can tell when we got up into the, you know, some of the mountains uh, at times we were in uh, what they call cloud forests. So you're literally up in the, in the clouds and uh, the air density changes, of course, there in the, the uh, humidity of the air changes, and I can, of course, sense all of that just through smell and uh, touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And then, and then in the, in the film, the, the teaser is that you then you jumped out of the plane. You had surgery, then you jumped out of the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, month after I got back, uh, had my surgery on my knee, got the uh, meniscus repaired. And then six weeks after that, I uh, decided I wanted to go tandem uh, skydiving and did my first jump out of an airplane. And yeah, that's kind of the uh, final scene there. Yeah. And showing me jumping out of the airplane. Pretty incredible. It's really, really incredible. So give people uh, context as well. So you were a NASA engineer in Houston. Uh, you're retired now. What, what year did you start working for NASA? Uh, let's see. I first started in 1979. 1979. So obviously, Man on the Moon was a decade before they did some of the yeah. trips. Then. So yeah, you, I, were you part of the unfortunate uh, explosion? 
Yeah, it, yeah, I was actually. Uh, yeah, 1979, that was just before the uh, space shuttle started launching in 81. And uh, then I worked on the space shuttle uh, project for about um, the first uh, 15 years of my career and then switched over to the International Space Station the last 20 years. So, yeah, definitely went through all those ups and downs of different uh, yeah. disasters. That, that, like, you don't have to get into it because I'm sure it's still that much because I remember being in school uh, watching it and in like in something that defines my 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 youth i guess right when that when that occurred it was just it was just unbelievable that that happened so i'm sure if you're the on the inside it must have been it must have been like i can't even imagine how devastating that would have been yeah uh, i mean we're at that time i was uh actually training uh, i had i i had been working the ascent phases of the launch which of course for you know the, the the Columbia was the uh, which blew up on the uh, the you know shortly after it left the launch pad, and I had I had been working those shuttle launches up until that just prior to that, and so I'd been training people to replace me uh, working in the uh, back rooms of the mission control center, and so I knew the uh, young guy that had been was in there working the room and. That was his first mission, and I was sitting there listening to it on the radio on the side there in real time, and I just really felt bad that that he had to go through that for his very first launch. But uh, yeah, I mean, just it was just a sunken feeling for everybody at that point. Yeah, um, it, was, for, it was something you always wanted to get into into uh, into space. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, as a kid growing up in the 60s, of course, uh, saw the, uh, you know, the moon, race to the moon and knew that that was uh, something exciting that I thought would, was exciting. And I was all, always, you know, building model airplanes and interested in aeros, aero, aerospace. And so, uh, of course, as a kid, you know, my dream was to be an astronaut. And uh so I, uh, as I, but as I got older, my vision started deteriorating and a new uh, possibility of losing my vision. I kind of changed my focus and got into engineering and, uh, and you know, it ended up uh, during the uh, working on the space station. My job was actually training the astronauts. So that was, you know, got close there to becoming an astronaut, training the astronauts. Yeah, I just, I just came from Montreal. They had this big, uh, these video IMAX videos of uh, of people on, in space at the at the space station right now, and my son is three years old and he is obsessed with space. He wants to watch oh, yeah. space. He knows all the planets. He knows all the dwarf planets. He knows all the moons. Like he knows way more than I do, and he's three years old. And like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, just keep yeah. encouraging them. Yeah. And then we saw the, then we like, you saw the, like what they, what they're shooting now, what they're showing now, what they're able to, speaking of shooting, making documentaries, like what they're doing now is like, so you got some, I, I think you got some other films in you. I think that you have some stories to tell. I know this one was a great, this was, this was about you, obviously, first and foremost, and your journey, which was really, it's a really inspiring film. It's like, it's like, uh, it just motivates, like, it's one of those movies that made you cry makes me cry like when I watched it for the first time but also kind of like inspired me I guess it's in the title too where it kind of motivated me to like 
get the best out of my 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 body and my soul and my intelligence. And I guess that's what you're doing, right? Like it's like like you're getting the you're trying to get the best out of yourself, I guess, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, just to be able to see that there's no limits to what we can achieve that, uh, you know, regardless of our limitations, whether they're physical, emotional, just whatever kind of limitations we may have, that we can overcome those and, you know, just accomplish whatever we want out of life. What did you think about the audience uh, feedback video that we sent you? Oh, it was great. I really appreciated that. That meant a, a real, you know, meant, meant a lot to me to get that feedback and to hear what others, you know, thought of the film and how it uh, impacted them. So I'm hoping that I wish you the best with this film and uh, I wish the best with yourself. I hope that you keep continuing to even make more films, hopefully, and uh, just basically keep on living, I guess. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just a couple of things i got coming up. Uh, I'm planning next year to uh, uh, hike across the Grand Canyon, go rim to rim, and uh, you know should be filming that and hopefully have a little film about that one coming out. Yeah. All right, I can't wait to see it. So let's talk again when that happens. Yeah, definitely. Good talking with you. I appreciate your time. All right, take care now. One, two, three, four, five, six.